0: So I pray for all of us that you would empty all of us of ourselves and fill it with you. And as we approach you today and tomorrow and the day after, that our heart's desire would be just for more of you. Not what you can do for us, but who you are for us. Let that change the way we see you. Let that change the way we see others in our life. Let that change the way we pray, the way we worship, and the way that we walk through this journey that you've given us to walk through. Let that empower everything that we are. Everything we say. Everywhere we go. And no matter what happens to us, no matter what difficult circumstances or hardships we go through, we can say with great boldness, I still believe. Because of you. Because of who you are. Strong God. Strong deliverer. He who has rescued our souls. In you we believe. We ask your blessing upon the word today. I do pray, Father, that you would speak through me that your words would be the words that we hear today. And that as we listen to your word, and as we listen to your expressions of your heart through your word today, that we will be changed. And we will be go from this place, with a different mindset, being washed by your word so that we can do and be and walk in all the things that you would want us to. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I have a friend who works down in the city. and she works uh, by a construction site there's always something going on in the city building stuff and you know how construction sites can be especially if you're a woman be a little rough walking by one you know the language is usually not very good and the tension that you gather is not usually very good but she had this great idea she thought that she would one day she would actually have lunch with these men that were on this construction site So she got a bag lunch and she went over to this construction site right next to her work and she she asked him and says, hey guys, I was just wondering, do you know Jesus? you know Jesus? The guys are looking at each other and they're shaking their heads, no, no. Uh, And before she could go on, one of them yelled up to the guys above. They said, hey, anyone up there know Jesus? You know, it's pretty quiet and someone yells down, no, why do you ask? The guy yells up, well, I think his wife is here with his lunch. <laughs> Sometimes delivering a message can get a little misunderstood. The whole thing about going viral, and that's what this, this whole new series about the book of Acts is, going, going viral. When we say that term, I think most of us have an understanding of what that means in today's language. When we're talking about someone posting something on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any of the social media sites, and suddenly it gains uh, a popular or unpopular following, and it just spreads like crazy throughout the Internet. It gets reposted time and time and time again. And that is the, the social media understanding of what going viral means. In the medical term, it really means something that is contagious, that is passed from one person to another very rapidly, and in essence, spreading in the same kind of manner, just from crazy growth. When I read the book of Acts, I get that going viral is very important to Father God's heart. See, the message of Christ should be contagious. Contagious it should be passed from person to person in a personal way. God meant for His great commission, His great mission, His concept, His rescue plan to be a contagious one. Something that is just, the world is unable to resist. I really do think that that's harder to the it that this message was supposed to be unable to be resisted, that you couldn't help but catch it. But sometimes it's in the way that the message is delivered that the, that this contagion, this gospel message is misunderstood and not, not fully accepted. So that's why I think it's really important to, for us to visit the book of Acts. To see how the early church became very viral. When you think about it, think about it. You have 12 guys meeting with about 120 people in a room. And these are the people that God uses to change the face of the planet. 120 people. This church fits about a hundred people, somewhat comfortably, if we all scrunch in together. A hundred twenty people would not fit into this, to the sanctuary. So you're not talking about a whole lot of people, but God did something to make these people very contagious. The message, unable to resist, and they grew by leaps and bounds, and by many were added to their numbers daily. It says. What made them so contagious, so viral, that people couldn't resist the gospel message? I think diving into the whole book of Acts, we're going to find out a whole lot of stuff about really what church is all about. And coming off our very long five-fold ministry series where we spent about 12 weeks or so or more to study this, I think it's really crucial for our church to dive into this and see what God is saying about that. So we're going to hopefully read through the book of Acts and see what nuggets we can find through there. How can we become more contagious, more viral in our faith? So people know that we still believe in there's things going crazy around us. And this is his concept that's in this, book, in this wonderful first chapter. A couple of things I, I picked out of here that just floored me. So let's start to start to read this. In the first book of Theolopolis, I'm sure I didn't pronounce that right, so forgive me. I have dealt with all of that that Jesus began to do and teach. And to the day when he was taken up, at he had given commands to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Here's the thing that got me this time. But to wait for the promise of the Father. But to wait for the promise of the Father. I couldn't get past that for a few days. I kept on going to this and going, for the promise of the Father. I have never really considered that. Walking with Jesus for 50 years and I have never considered what that verse meant. Wait for the promise of the Father. By reading through the book of Acts, we know what the promise of the Father was. It's the Holy Spirit given to us, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He actually answers that question in the same second part of the verse. And that just stopped me in my tracks this time to wait for the promise of the Father. See, the word there, the Greek word there means a divine insurance of good. A divine assurance of good. That's what that word means. It's a pledge. So this is a pledge. This is a promise. This is a, a divine assurance from our Father to saying this, this Holy Spirit that I'm about to, to impart into you is good. It's good for many reasons because it's Him. And there is another part of this. The disciples, in the past 60 days or so, have been through an awful lot. We talked a little bit about this. You know, they, they've seen Jesus ride into Jerusalem in triumph, being adored by thousands, if not more. They see him being arrested and, and dragged away, beaten and scourged. and crucified on the cross. They they see him resurrected and and triumph and making a mockery of the enemy's plans. They've seen all of this. They spent about forty days with him, with him doing all kinds of things. And now he basically tells them, you know, he gives them a commission to go into all the world, preach the gospel gospel, make disciples, and teach those people all that he has taught them. And then he tells them to go wait. Go wait. In Jerusalem. Go wait. People don't like to wait. Anyone here really like to wait for things? i never met a person on this planet yet that really likes to wait. There's something about a human being in waiting that does not fit. If I say terms like, Oh, you asked me for something, I say, Just wait a minute. Your tensions start to rise a little bit, or if you go someplace and they tell you, "Oh, wait here." Some of the biggest stresses I think I've ever seen is when you go to a restaurant and there's that little sign that says, "Wait for the hostess to seat you." I've seen a lot of people really upset about that, standing behind that sign for a long time, like 15 minutes. People get upset. Human beings do not like to wait. It messes with our timing. It messes with our place. I think one of the the hardest times, one of the most dramatic times for me to wait for something is when I asked Christine to marry me. When I got down on my knees and asked her, her response was quick. Within seconds, her response was, was quick. But that moment of time before the words that came out, Christine, will you please marry me? And her answer of yes seemed like an eternity. Because I was waiting for my life to change. I was waiting on God to do something significant in my life. And so I wanted that answer. And and that wait seemed internal, even though it was just seconds. And I think this is what's happening to the disciples in Jerusalem right now. They've been through a lot of stuff in the past 40, 50, 60 days all combined. And now he tells them, go wait. Wait. But wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. It's something good is coming. Something that's going to be life-changing, life-altering. Because yes, I, I have this wonderful contagious mission for you to go on, but you can't go on it yet. Because you need something. You need something. Wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He's telling you, you don't have to wait long. Okay? You don't have to wait long. Then word baptized is an interesting thing in the, to the Jewish mind. In the Jewish mind, baptism was hugely important for one reason. It was part of when a Gentile became, wanted to convert from being a Gentile to Judaism, he had to go and do three things. He had to make a a sacrifice at the temple. He had to be circumcised. And he had to be baptized. Around the temple, there were several pools of water that were used for ceremonial baptisms and cleansings. So when he talks about being baptized here, he means to be dipped repeatedly, to be cleansed, and to be overwhelmed. See, this was huge in the Jewish mind. The whole idea of baptism was really big in the Jewish mindset. And so what Jesus was saying, is, okay, that water thing is really good, that's important, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and you're going to be overwhelmed. And by the way, this is a a process that's repeated throughout your whole life. See, it's a one-time thing, but it's a continuous thing to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I believe. It's a continuous, because that's what the word means. So when they had come together they asked him Lord will, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel and he said to them it is not for you to know the times or the seasons for the father has fixed them by his own authority just reminding them okay you know don't worry about the timing don't worry about the timing but this is what you this is what you're going to get you're going to receive power That word means miracle power of the Holy Spirit, divine power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, witnesses, that's that word martos. We get the word martyr from. And really what martyr means, or martos means, means witnesses, one who testifies of the one. One who testifies of the one of the one. Martos. You will be my Martos in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took them out of their sight. And they, while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Basically, don't wait here. Go where Jesus told you to wait. Don't waste your time here. This is not where God has asked you to wait. But God has directed you to wait over here. So wait here. Don't wait here. Don't wait. Go to where he, Jesus tells you to go. This whole concept of waiting really got me thinking about something. For my my birthday was on Thursday, and my spiritual father, Frank Bandanello, you've heard me talk about him, sent me a devotion. And it was really interesting about this devotion because it was on waiting. And I didn't read it until the other day. I didn't read it on my birthday. I was, you know, really busy celebrating. And I, so I didn't, I didn't read it until just the other day, on a Saturday matter of fact. And I said, wow, this is really cool. And there was a verse in, that he shared in this devotion that was so powerful. Listen to this. It's in Isaiah thirty eighteen. It says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. So I, I, I get this verse and I, and I want to take it apart like I usually do. and I, the Hebrew word for weight is very interesting. The Hebrew word for weight means to adhere to, to stick to. It's a picture of a hook, a hook that hooks onto something else and can't be unhooked. It's a picture of trust, of commitment, it's a keep-us-connected type of waiting. He's waiting with us. He's waiting with us. Therefore, it waits to be gracious to you. The Lord waits with all the love of a Father. He waits for the right time, the right season, the right moment in order to release what He needs to release in our lives for. Freedom, for health, for growth, whatever it is. I I read this verse and I couldn't help but think about another time awaiting for me. Certainly the time that that, that, that that very short time that seemed like eternity when I asked Christine to marry me was probably the most important time awaiting for me. But there was another one. I accepted Jesus when I was seven years old. I had conscious decision to follow Jesus Christ when I was seven years old. I was already living in a house of abuse. You know this story, most of you. For ten years, I waited to be delivered from that. Ten years. If not for the grace and forgiveness and resurrection power released in me, those ten years would have destroyed me. And although I don't understand all the complexity of it and why it took ten years for my own personal deliverance, I do understand it couldn't happen until the right time or the right season. When I was going through that, there was so many emotions that were going on, of course. Times of great faith and times of running away from God. But it's funny, even when I was rebelling against God and and, and sinning against Him with my decisions of trying to drown myself in drugs and drinking and all that kind of stuff, I always still believed in who He was. And that eventually, that belief, that faith, that love, drew me back into His arms. Waiting is very crucial for a human being. And to understand How to wait. So let's look at how the disciples waited in verse 14. Very important. All these with one accord, not the Honda, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. One accord. That Greek word means all one mind, all one passion. All one mind, all one passion passion and they were devoting themselves to prayer this is how they chose to wait and here's the difference it is really hard for a human being to, to wait for stuff to wait for an answer to prayer to, to wait for a, a check to clear to wait for a doctor's report it is very difficult for a human being to do that kind of waiting but to wait on the Lord is a whole different affair It's a whole different mindset because of the promise of the Father. So they were devoting themselves to prayer. One accord, one purpose, one mindset, one absolute committed, all in type of attitude. They were all in. At this moment. There was no going back for this 120 people. They were all in. They were waiting for the promise of the Father. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit to be released in their life. And the way they chose to do it was by being devoted to prayer. I'm going to suggest to you that, that, that in order to become more viral, more contagious, that that's our first step this morning. That's our first step. We have a vision of reaching 5,000 people in our community. That's our vision. It can't happen without being devoted to prayer. And this is not to suggest that we have not been. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying this is a call for us to be more devoted to prayer. To be all in one mind and one passion about this. This is why over the past few weeks, there has been a lot more corporate prayer here. And then that's why we are having a Bible study about prayer. And that's why we take moments like we just did a little while ago to ask people if they want to be prayed for. We're going to do this more and more and more because we want to be devoted to prayer. Because in order to be contagious, in order to go viral in our small community, in order to reach them, we're going to need to be baptized, dipped over and over and over again in the Holy Spirit so that we can be overwhelmed by him, so they're overwhelmed with the message and they can't help but but catch it. This is how the early church went viral. This is what they did. They were devoted to prayer. And that word prayer there means worshipful prayer. See, this became a moment for them to worship together. They were praying. They were praying, I'm sure. Hey, they, their lives are still in danger here. They're not safe. They're praying for all kinds of things, I'm sure. But the fact is that they devoted themselves, they were invested in it. They were committed to it. They were all in. They were ready to preach all the gospel, the power, the cost. They were going to go to all the nations. Their heart was outward, not inward. All the gospel, all the world, and all the church. Right now, this is all the church. 120 people at this moment. That's all the church meeting in a room. All the church, right there. They were all in. Every single one of them. All in. Men, women, all in. One accord. One mind. One passion. To spread the good news. To spread from person to person how good our God is. So that's the call, I think, for us as we dive into this series for sure. In Invitations 3.25 says this, The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul that seeks Him. I think waiting on God is the difference than just waiting in a line. Okay? It's it's, it's so different. The attitude is different. Because there's a heart there that seeks Him while we're waiting. See, there's an attitude that says that as I'm waiting on God, I'm active in seeking Him. That I'm going to find Him. And I'm not going to be moved until I do. Until He speaks to me. Until He conveys to me what my mission is. I'm not moving. I'm staying. I'm waiting on Him. I'm not going to do anything until He tells me to. Habakkuk 2.1 says this, I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. <laughs> that word station there means to stay put and wait. Stay put and Wait. We have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to wait for the promise of the Father. To allow ourselves to be baptized over and over again with the Holy Spirit so that we're so saturated, we're so overflowing, that we're so soaking wet with the Spirit of God on us that people can't help but catch what we're trying to give them. We have this wonderful opportunity. Not just today. Today but for every day that we are on this planet. But it starts with being devoted to prayer. So that's the way I would like to end. Again, give an opportunity. If you want prayer today, please let us pray for you. Please let us pray for you. Or, as as I shut up my mouth, and give you an opportunity again, we're going to be quiet for a little while. Okay? And if you have a prayer that you just want to pray out loud, or if you want to just raise your hand and say, pray for me, or if you just have a scripture, but now is the time that we're together, that we have become to become more and more in one accord, with one mind, one passion, because there's people out there that need Jesus Christ, and we're the ones that have been given this wonderful gift. And God wants to use us. Right? So let's take this moment.